Hello, everybody, and thanks for listening. A very special edition of the Commitment Issues podcast. You all are familiar with us for typically our football recruiting talk, but in light of the early signing period that we have in basketball, we decided, hey, let's include our friends on the hoop side of things here at Rivals.com as well. And here to talk about it, of course, National Basketball Recruiting Analyst Extraordinaire Eric Bossy. You can follow him at Eboss Hoops on Twitter. Eric, how you doing this morning? I'm doing well, Nick. Yourself? I'm doing great. Very excited to be doing this with you guys. And of course, Kristen Peak, the world traveler and also uh, noted basketball expert here on the recruiting front. Kristen, how's your morning going? What's up? Good. <laughs> Excellent. So let's get right into it. A lot of things to talk about here. Very exciting early signing period. And, uh, you know, let's let's start with two of the teams at the top, two power programs coming out of the Pac-12, really showing out strong. And let's start with UCLA, Cody Riley, Jalen Hands, Jalen Hill, LiAngelo Ball. Eric, just talk a little bit about the signing class that they have right now and the depth of the Bruins program. Yeah, you mentioned all of them, but what, what really puts them into the number one spot is the uh, Sunday pickup of five-star swingman Chris Wilkes out of uh, Indianapolis. They're getting him to come out west, you know, maybe following a little bit of the footsteps of Steve Alford. While Steve Alford's an Indiana guy and played in Indiana, He's out at LA in LA at UCLA now, and he's gotten Chris Wilkes to come along. You know, Chris is a very versatile guy. He can he can bring the ball up the floor. He's got a dynamic mid range game. Just a really big pickup to pull him out of the state of Indiana. And you mentioned the other guys that they've got in that class. You know, Cody Riley is a big, rugged, tough four man who should be able to help out right away. They're more than likely going to lose Lonzo Ball to the NBA. So having a five star point guard like Jalen Hands to come in and pick up the slack is good. And then um, Jalen Hill is just an athletic kind of grunt who does the dirty work on the inside. He can play the power forward or the center for them. And then Leangelo Ball, the younger brother of likely departing Lonzo, is a big, strong wing who really likes to shoot the ball from deep. You know, it's a, it's a class that maybe it doesn't have the number one or the number two guy in the country, but it's so deep and all these guys are packed together really tightly in the ranks. It gives them a really solid core group. That's a that's a whole starting lineup right off the bat, it seems like, just in one class, huh? Yeah, pretty much. You know, you never know if any of these guys might leave earlier or whatever and, and who comes back from the current team that UCLA has that's pretty loaded up. But, you know, if they can if they can stick together and, and play to their expectation levels, you know, we're talking about a team that could compete for maybe a Final Four next year. So another team in the Pac-12, obviously a team that's almost synonymous with college basketball, Arizona uh, a guy that I'm familiar with too a little bit uh, from my from my old uh, my past life shooting a lot of basketball highlights for you Eric DeAndre Ayton uh, seems to be the headliner of the class there but also guys like Eric Barcelo Brandon Randolph Ira Lee Kristen I'll, I'll shuffle this over to you uh, it seems like Arizona might not even be done uh, packing names into that class but what's your take on how they've done so far I mean it was a huge start for them to get DeAndre Ayton the number one player in 2017 and um, he actually I mean. Once he signed, because of what happened with Terrence Ferguson last year, a lot of Arizona fans were skeptical, you know, maybe he would go pro as well. But he signed his letter of intent last week and sent that in. So as far as we know, he's definitely going to Arizona. And then on top of that, the other two targets they're looking at are five-star shooting guard Lonnie Walker, who may or may not decide uh, today on Tuesday. Um, You know, right now it's between Kentucky, Arizona, and then Miami might be a sleeper too, but we'll have to see where he lands. So if they get him, you know, that's already adding to the stack talent. And then also five-star small forward Brian Bowen, the wing, and possibly one of the greatest nicknames in all of recruiting, uh, Tugs is what he goes by (laughs) and has 
and has like the most amazing hair too. These are the things I care about. Um, but he's, he, he's, he's also deciding between Arizona and Michigan state. So if they get those two five stars, they will trump UCLA in the number one recruiting class. Boy, so a lot to look forward to there. And, and the Pac-12, man, really just coming out of this early signing period looking really strong. I know, Eric, you mentioned to me seven of the top 35 recruiting classes in the nation, including three of the top four. So there's really a lot of pride there in the Pac-12 conference. You know, Bossy, just talk a little bit about, we know we know college basketball is, is a young man's game. A lot of freshmen uh, are being asked to make impacts, you know, very early on in their careers these days. Uh, but it seems like Stanford is a team on the come up in the conference. There's some other new guys at some other programs. I mean, what's what's kind of your take as some of these other teams that are getting some of these young guys and the impacts they're supposed to make? Yeah, like you mentioned, you know, seven of the top 35 classes. And in that, that's three of the top five classes, four of the top 10. And also currently 128 of the Rivals 150 is committed. 26 of those guys are heading to the Pac-12. So one out of every five guys who's made a choice on the Rivals 150 is going to the Pac-12. So that's a pretty staggering number because I don't think we think of the Pac-12 as a recruiting powerhouse like that. But like you mentioned, you know, we've got the classes that are ranked. We've talked Arizona. We've talked UCLA. Oregon has a great class with Troy Brown. Washington has a great class with Michael Porter. But you, know, you mentioned Stanford. While they're not in the top 35 right now, I think they're one that we really need to keep an eye on. they got a new coach there, Jared Haas. I think he's going to bring a little bit more of an ups- up-tempo style of play. He's a Roy Williams, um, you know, he's a Roy Williams prodigy. He learned under him in college as a player and as a coach. And I think they've picked up a guy in Kizzy Opala out of Anaheim, California, a 6'7", 6'8", forward who can play the three or the four that played hardly any summer basketball. But watching film this guy, he just jumps off the page as a guy that could – really make some some noise once it gets to college. And then they've got a little bit of a, you know, literally have an international man of mystery and Oscar De Silva. He's a six foot nine rugged power forward from Germany who the film on him is pretty limited to this point, but you know, he looks like potentially another four star type. So once we're able to get a little more film on him and, and get a true rating on him, they're another classic and jump right into the top 35 and have a couple guys who can maybe help them out immediately. And on top of, a program that should be getting pretty much everyone back next year. So you're telling me you haven't made the flight over to Germany to watch them play in person? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, no, you know, I was actually born in Germany, so I'd love to go back to the homeland, I guess, but uh, I don't yeah, I don't about I don't 30 think, years too early on that. <laughs> I, I I don't think I don't think we've I don't think we've got it in the budget for that one at this point. Uh, well, we'll see how this podcast does. Kristen, another team that I wanted to talk to you about you know, as as we all know, fans of Rivals.com and, and those who have been for years all know that I'm a proud Florida Gulf Coast University alum. Uh, we were robbed of our coach, the great the great White Hope, Andy Enfield, by USC, who's <laughs> gone on and had varying levels of success there. But we know that USC pulled uh, a pretty big signee out of this class right here in the early going as well. Uh, Jordan Usher, what, what do you think about him and the impact that he might make for the Trojans? I mean, yeah, like... Uh... You see, USC is doing okay for themselves. I know a lot of fans, I live in Los Angeles, so I hear it from the fans. They just get so discouraged by this team. But you have to remember when when Enfield came in, he came in with pretty much nothing. So the fact that you know now he's three years in, he's actually starting to build a great program. And that definitely includes four-star small forward Jordan Usher. Bossy and I saw him this past summer at some Adidas events. And he is tough on defense. He's a great rebounder for a wing. And he's 
looking to get out and transition and run the floor. And anytime he catches that ball, he's always looking to drive first. Um, so that'll be a great addition to USC. And he's from out of state. He's from Marietta, Georgia. So the fact that they're getting out there and recruiting outside of the West is a really big win for USC. You know, hey, listen, it's a, it's a new dawn. It's a new day in, in college basketball. We're coming out talking about the Pac-12, the West Coast. Uh, you know, maybe a little bit of a, a changing of the tides uh, relative to what some of us all, all kind of associate with traditional college basketball powers. But that's not to say that some some notable programs in the southeast, uh, you know, most prominently Kentucky, Duke, th- those uh, are teams that have, of course, made some noise in the early signing period as well. Eric, you know, if you could just talk a little bit about maybe the trio of guys that, that the Wildcats have in the fold. You know, some of these other teams that we've been talking about in the Pac-12 have four or five guys committed. But uh, the three that the three that are assigned to uh, Kentucky's class right now, I mean, w- what do you think of the group that Coach Cal has pulled together so far? Well, you know, if there's one thing we know about John Calipari, we know he's going to recruit well, and we know he's going to get a bunch of studs. And, you know, I think there was maybe – a little bit of worry starting to creep into the Kentucky fan base because this time a week ago, they hadn't even gotten their first commitment. You know, the class of 2017 was was pitching a shutout on Kentucky, but, you know, that's kind of like when a pitcher's throwing a no-hitter and sometimes a guy gets the first hit and the floodgates just start to open. That's what's mm-hmm. happened now at Kentucky. You know, they on Thursday last week, they've landed a pair of five-star guys, five-star combo for P.J. Washington, a native of Texas who plays at a Finley Prep out in Las Vegas, is... He reminds me a lot of a young Paul Millsap. You know, he can make mid-range jumpers. He's a warrior on the glass. Very, just very crafty player. Really high basketball IQ. The other five-star they picked up is Nick Richards. He's a near seven-foot center um, out of New Jersey. He runs the floor. He protects the rim. And that's the key for me. He's a rim protector. The best teams that Kentucky has had, they've had that guy that when they pressure on the outside and the defense fails, well, you know, you still got to get through Anthony Davis. You still got to get through Willie Cauley-Stein. You know, Nick Richards figures to be that type of rim protector for him. And then this week they picked up a guy who's kind of an interesting story, Shea Alexander, a six foot four point guard who goes to high school in Tennessee. He's actually from Canada, and he was actually committed for most of the last year to one of Kentucky's foes in the SEC, Florida. He decommitted in October. John Calipari went in and saw him on, I think, Halloween was the first time they saw him. They had him on an official visit that weekend. And then got a commitment from them. So you've got these guys like Richard and Washington that they spent two years recruiting the heck out of, and they get Shea Alexander in, in two weeks. Um, you know, and they're still involved with a lot of guys, you know, five-star point guard Trey Young. You've got the Lonnie Walker decision hanging out there that could happen, maybe even by the time we run this podcast. You know, you've got Hamadou Diallo, a high-flying wing. You've got Muhammad Bamba, a big-time shot-blocking power forward who can run the floor. Kevin Knox, a high-scoring wing guy. You know, all these five-star guys – They've got two of them. They've got a top 50 guy to go with them. And I'm pretty sure they're not done. And, you know, before it's all said and done, it won't be a surprise if they compete for the number one spot in the team rankings again. And they're already up at number five. How many how many of those guys that you just mentioned do you think Kentucky not only want, has a good chance of getting, but probably needs to get? I know they're probably always reloading that roster there. You know, I think uh, the way things are looking, they could lose as many as five or six guys at the NBA this year. So... Ideally, I think they'd like to add at least two or three more guys. And I, I think basically anyone else that they're left and involved in, involved with, they're probably in the top two with them. So they're in really good shape with everybody that they're recruiting. And, you know, it's not going to be a surprise. And we would expect them to end up with at least one or two more five-star guys before it's all said and done. 
So, Kristen, shifting over to that other team I mentioned earlier, Duke, <laughs> that <laughs> that other team, uh, you know, they obviously in another power program. Right now, as far as I can tell, only two guys committed. Gary Trent Jr., not to be confused with Gary Clark, won't be playing the Blues, hopefully, <laughs> for the Blue Devils. But And Alex O'Connell, uh, talk a little bit about, you know, where things stand with Duke as far as their class is concerned. You know, what they, you know, what they still might want to focus on or are they good right now with what they got? Yeah. So, I mean, what Bossy just said in terms of uh, those guys that Kentucky was after and them being in the final two, some of the same guys are in the final two for Duke. So we're looking at Kevin Knox, who he said, you know, big time wing, number nine overall in, uh, in the Rivals 150 and so we've got Kentucky, Florida State, not really in the mix anymore, and Duke. And then you got Mo Bamba, too, who's also a Kentucky and Duke target. Um, but the one guy, I talked to Gary Trent Jr. last night, um, just exchanging texts, and, and I said, hey, who are you really pushing for to come join you at Duke? He's like, oh, a few of my a few of my guys. And I said, does one of your guys' name with Tendell Schmarter? <laughs> he just started <laughs> laughing. He said, maybe. So this has been kind of a package deal that people have been anticipating. You've got a shooting guard and a big. Worked very well for Duke a few years ago with Tyus Jones and Julia Okafor winning a national championship. So a lot of fans are getting excited about that possibility. And and Wendell, he would be a good fit for Duke. Right now he's looking at Duke and then Harvard, which is a surprise, but uh, he'll be making that decision sometime soon. Right, Bossy? Yeah, I think, uh, I think we'll get a decision out of Wendell Carter he told us last week that he plans to to make his announcements during the signing period. Now, the signing period de- technically ends Wednesday night at 11.59 p.m., but there's some loopholes about when you need to send in your, your thing. And there's some kids who, you know, there are some kids out there who have maybe even sent in their paperwork to the school that they're committing to. They're just waiting to make an announcement, you know, um, a guy who has Duke in his final five in Kentucky for that matter, although we don't expect him to end up there, Quad A Green, he's not announcing till Saturday at a function at his high school, kind of a midnight madness thing at Newman Goretti, but there's a good chance that he's already either sent in his paperwork by now or sometime tomorrow to the school that he picks, which we're expecting to be Syracuse. But, you know, back to Wendell Carter, I do think we'll get a decision out of him very soon. And, you know, if he, he commits to Duke, you know, they've got a they've got a the number twelve class right now with Gary Trent and a four star wing Alex O'Connell. If they get Wendell, you know, they move right into that top five mix too. And then just like Kentucky, they're another player away from possibly making a run at Arizona and UCLA for that number one spot. Very yeah, and don't forget, I mean, the point guard position as well. Sorry to cut you off, Nick, but uh they've been they've been hot on the trail for Matt Coleman, four star point guard. Um, and then also Trayvon Duval is now in the talk, who's the number one point guard in, in the country. So they, I asked Gary, I said, what, what are you going to do if you get all of these guys? He's like, I'm working on it. I'm trying to make it happen. So he's trying to recruit all of them very hard. Well, I, lo- I love that you guys dropped the insider knowledge here on the podcast. More than just a recap here. And Kristen giving away the, some tricks of the trade, the very sneaky rhyming of names with... <laughs> <laughs> Some kind Kendall of smoggy smarter. <laughs> Very good technique. I'm gonna have to use that myself uh, to break some news on the football front. But hey, listen, we, we can't all be winners here. You know, there's some there's some guys that are some teams that are getting left out in the cold a little bit, hold, holding the short end of the stick somewhat. Uh, Eric, who are a couple of the teams that you know maybe you flagged as you know didn't have things quite go according to plan here in the early signing period? Maybe have some ground to make up. Yeah, you know, it's um, I think. 
the two that stand out for me right now are Indiana and North Carolina. And don't get me wrong, both Indiana and North Carolina, they've got solid classes. They've got solid foundation classes of guys that are going to be pretty good for them down the road. But I think looking at each, each of their rosters, they were both in need of, a, of, a, of an impact player right off the, the bat. You know, at Indiana, I think there's a good chance that they could lose both big man Thomas Bryant and wing OG and Unobi to the NBA this year. So finding a guy to kind of replace those guys was important. You know, four-star wing Justin Smith is good. You know, they've got some other nice pieces. Al Dorham should be a nice scoring piece when it's all said and done. But, you know, in Indiana this year, four of our top 31 players are Indiana natives. And after Chris Wilkes made that UCLA decision, you know, they've been shut out on those on those four guys. And that's, you know, it's it's been a topic of discussion on the Indiana message boards, of course. Um, it's something that I'm sure bothers Tom Crean with things. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do and you move on. You know, they're still in the mix for Billy Preston, a five-star forward, I think. You know, he's got them in Kansas and USC and maybe to a lesser extent Syracuse involved. So, you know, it would be kind of interesting that the kind of guy who crushed their hearts and Chris Wilkes, an Indiana kid, leaves for, for Los Angeles. It'd be pretty funny if they got Billy Preston, a Los Angeles kid, to come back to Indiana. But, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not a sound for alarms. And, and also, if you watch Tom Crean in Indiana, he's done a good job of finding some guys who were, you know, considered good players, but weren't exactly heralded as big-time guys come in and do things. So they're going to be okay. At North Carolina, you know, the concern is they're going to lose Kennedy Meeks. They're going to lose Isaiah Hicks to graduation. That's their two primary big guys. They're going to probably lose Justin Jackson to the NBA. So that's another front court player. So you really needed a front court difference maker to come in. And I just don't think they found that. You know, Jalik felt my combo guard. Certainly, I think, can step in and do some scoring right away. But, you know, missing out on some guys like a, like a P.J. Washington would have been a huge get for them. But, you know, you lose out on him, Kentucky, and you scramble. They found guys, uh, the two big guys they got, Brandon Huffman, originally from Alaska, who now goes to high school in North Carolina, and Sterling Manley are both guys with um, with some upside. I don't know if they're immediately impact guys when they step right on the floor, but they're going to be good players. They're ACC-level players. They're just going to need a little bit more time. So, now the, the onus is going to be on them to either find some guy in the spring. They are still involved with Jared Van, Vanderbilt, a five-star who's kind of a combo forward type. He visited them. But, you know, they either need Huffman or Manley to really step up and be a little bit better than expected as a freshman, or there's going to be a ton of pressure on Tony Bradley, a McDonald's All-American fresher, freshman they have there right now who has looked pretty good two games in. But, you know, he's coming in after you've already been dealing with these big, rugged seniors who – our studs, you know, he's, he's got guys already worn down a little bit. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic, but you know, Roy Williams is Roy Williams. He's got a couple national titles under his belt. You know, he's a hall of famer. He's a legendary coach. I'm sure the Tar Heels are going to be all right. They've, uh, you know, in, in the tournament from my outsider's perspective, it seems like they've not had quite as much success as a, as a program like Kansas over the past couple of years for a team, a team that's usually in the final fours and the national championship discussion as a, as a lock-in uh, pick, but Kristen, it seems like you know they might have missed on a on a few of their big targets here uh, in in the early signing period. I mean, is there is there a number of guys that you know that you feel like they should have they should have landed, or a couple of guys that they can recover with? Yeah, I mean, Kansas Kansas is kind of in the same boat with North Carolina, Indiana. Um, you know, they have Marcus Garrett, who is a perimeter player. Uh, he's a one-two, but they missed out on DeAndre Ayton, who 
uh, you know, obviously went to Arizona. And then most recently, point guard that they wanted really bad, Colin Sexton, five-star point guard, uh, chose Alabama last week to give them uh, a really good recruiting class coming in next year. So they missed out on those two. There's And also Troy Brown. Sorry. And also Troy Brown, another five-star uh, combo guard who chose Oregon. So you're missing out on all these five-star top players that they really, really wanted, and it's hurting them because they're going to have a lot of guys leave and go to the league next year. Um, but they're still in the mix for Billy Preston, you know, five-star power forward, and then also uh, five-star point guard Trey Young, uh, which is huge right now. And, and Trey is choosing between he'll he'll be picking between uh, Kansas, Oklahoma, Kentucky. Um, those are the three main schools with Texas Tech and Oklahoma State still kind of in the mix. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, Billy Preston is committing this week, so if they can land him, that'll be a nice relief. But again, he's not a perimeter player, and that's where they really need guys to come in and fill their lineup next year. Mm. So something we'll have to keep a close eye on there for the Jayhawks. So, you know, outside of the winners and losers and, and you know, some of the big uh, more marquee name programs that everybody expected us here to talk about. You know, there are some teams that have made an impact in the early signing period with maybe some sneaky good recruiting classes, or actually uh, teams that just had great recruiting classes in general. Uh, you know, Kristen. You know, I know you're excited about the job that Alabama did. Uh, you know, coming out of the SEC so far in the early signing period. I mean, what, what's how do you kind of size up their class, and and what do uh, Tide fans have to look forward to on the basketball court? I mean, Alabama is a football school, but their basketball team is going to be pretty good in the next couple of years, uh, especially with this class that they had coming in. Uh, you have four-star power forward Alex Reese and four-star shooting guard uh, Herb Jones. They committed on the same day uh, a couple months ago. And then last week, you had their big get five-star point guard Colin Sexton and uh, four-star shooting guard John Petty commit on the same day. So they kind of have this thing going where they get double commits at the same day. Uh, huge for them. I was talking to one of the coaches last week, and they were surprised with John Petty choosing them. They didn't know that that was a lock. Um, they felt really good about Colin Sexton and the other two, but they said John Petty was a nice surprise to have. So take that with the other you know, talent that they have on the team, and, and they could be a force in the SEC in the next couple of years. Yeah, we definitely, you know, th- those those surprise commitments that you see just just on any level, basketball, football, when you get those nice little surprises along the way, that's usually uh, the difference maker with a lot of teams. Eric, you know, I know one of the teams that you had flagged is uh, a team that you were pretty impressed with the job that they did, a, a team in my neck of the woods here in Fort Worth and TCU. What do you think about the class that they've pulled together? TCU has kind of been like a recruiting cemetery since the uh, since rivals.com came on you know it's not exactly a place that we've seen a lot of highly committed guys go to um but they're changing that you know i think uh rj nemhard a local guy a combo guard that they wanted badly and and sought out to get was a big get for them you know he's a top 75 guy he's a scorer from the mid-range he can play a little bit at the one he can play a little bit at the two He's big, and then they also brought in a shot-blocking big man, Kevin Samuel, which was really big for them, too. You know, a guy that got recruited by almost the entire Big 12. You know, these are these are recruiting battles that they almost never win. You know, in the history of the Rivals 150, I think before Jamie Dixon got there in the spring, they landed two guys ever out of the Rivals 150. He immediately pulled one out of the class of 2016 in point guard Jalen Fisher, He's got two from 2017, and he's already got one from 2018. So in six months of being on the job, he's recruiting at an unprecedented level for TCU basketball. And 
you know, the, the big fish out here is Jared Vanderbilt. You know, he's taken official visits to Kentucky and North Carolina, the Blue Bloods that you would expect out of a top 20 guy. But he's been to TCU unofficially. He's also been to Houston unofficially. But TCU is a legitimate factor with this kid. You know, um, they hired they hired a relative as an assistant coach, um, which is helping. But it's, it's not the sole reason that they got it done. But, you know, it's close to home. And it's a place that he could come in and make an impact. You know, I... I I wondered what Jamie Dixon would be able to do at his alma mater, and he's really blown me away with his early results. What would you say that it is about him that's made TCU an attractive destination? Is it is it his personality? Is it his coaching style? The sort of uh, system they're trying to run out there? You know, I think he was. I think he was pretty smart with his hiring of his assistant coaches. He um, he got some assistant coaches who who knew the landscape well. Um, the state of Texas has a ton of talent in it. There's so much talent down there that, you know, it's just a matter of getting those guys excited about things. And I don't know that, you know, I don't know that Jamie Dixon is a guy who walks into a room and, you know, you don't have to have the, the power switches on to light up all the light bulbs. But he is he he is a grad from there. The job is important to him. And, you know, they're working with new facilities. They've got a nice new practice facility that they finished up a few years ago. They've done a total overhaul on their arena. And so they've got some things to sell. And, you know, he did a pretty good job at Pitt. I think, um, you know, maybe we're out as welcome isn't the right term, but I just think, you know, he took Pitt to about as far as you can go there, especially in, in, in the powerhouse that the ACC is right now with Duke and North Carolina and Louisville and what Virginia has become and, you know, all these other great programs that I think he maybe actually got taken for granted really up there. And now he's down at TCU and he's, he's just injected some new blood into it now. Obviously, that's got to turn into wins on the court. They've got to start being a factor in the Big 12. But, you know, really impressed with what he's done. Well, so speaking of new blood, as we're, you know, kind of heading towards the end of our inaugural podcast here, let's let's take a, a quick look forward uh, at some of the, you know, some of the names in the class that is to come here, uh, you know, in, in uh, 2018. And uh, Kristen, you know, how do you, you know, who, who are some of the players that you think might be the next group of guys that we're talking about at the top? and maybe some of the recruiting battles that we'll see between some of those teams for, uh, for some of those key players there. Oh man. Uh, I mean, bossy knows this. <laughs> I love, love, love two players from 2018. Number three, overall Romeo Langford. He's a, he's, you know, do it all shooting guard that just is, he plays hard and he gets the job done. I mean, I've heard bossy say it. I mean, you, you're watching a game and, you think he's having a quiet game and you look at his stat line and it's like 28 points, 12 rebounds, seven assists. You're like, oh my gosh, how'd that happen? Um, but he is really picking up uh, some offers. I know Duke, Kansas, Louisville, Indiana, and UNC are kind of in the mix right now. Um, uh, he's close to Louisville. So, I mean, Bossy in the super early predictions has said that they might have the edge, but who knows? Like, this is going to be a bloodbath for all the top talent. And then another guy, uh, Zion Williamson, he's number two overall. He's um, a combo forward. Big guy. Nick, you would be so impressed with this guy. Like, go watch some of his highlights because he could be a defensive end on the football field as well. Um, (laughs) And he's another guy. Everyone's offered him. Uh, Duke, Kansas, UNC, Arizona. Has Kentucky offered him yet, Bossy? Um, You know, it's, it's disputed whether they have or not offered them but they've definitely stepped their stepped up their involvement with both zion and romeo you know no surprise they're top three guys but you know it's it's kind of like you're getting to it's going to be another bloodbath of all these of these blue blood schools so a blue bloodbath if you will 
<laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, with Zion Williamson, you have the entire Duke coaching staff that stopped by his high school in September. And then UNC came through as well to uh, give him some attention and check him out at, at high school. So it'll be interesting. Nothing, nothing set in stone, but I'm really looking forward to see what happens with those two guys. Well, Bossy, I know one thing too that, that we talked about in uh, our pre-recording meeting. <laughs> you had mentioned maybe as enthusiastic as Kristen sounds about the 2018 class, it might sound like there's a few pitfalls uh, in, in some positions in terms of, of uh, depth of talent. I know, you know, one guy that we talked about a lot on this podcast just is uh, is point guard Trey Young and the sweepstakes for him. You know, is it important for teams this year to lock up that point guard position uh, because it seems a little thin heading in, into 2018? Or, or where do you kind of feel like teams really need to strike uh, hard and fast at, at key positions to make sure that they have a good a good class heading into 2018? Yeah, you know, um, I'll kind of start just with the 2018 class in general. I think in Marvin Bagley, the number one player, who is also going to be, you know, Duke, Arizona, Kentucky, UCLA, Arizona State, Oregon type battle. He's a legitimate number one candidate in any class in any year. He's a big time player. He's six foot ten. He's a crazy athlete. He's skilled. He can do it all. But, but after him, you know, I think there's a a pretty wide gap between him and the field. And I think we're looking at a lot of guys in the top ten or the top five that, in a stronger year, might be more top ten, top fifteen, top twenty type guys. So. You know, you have to rank guys, but it doesn't have the depth of anything. And, you know, I've been doing this since 1999, 2000. And, you know, it, it's right now it's shaping up to be one of the, the weaker classes that I've ever seen. You know, I don't want to go saying it's the worst class I've ever seen or anything like that. But some guys really need to start stepping up. And you mentioned, you know, with the point guard battles with the two major ones, or I guess the three major ones that are left in, in 2017 with Trey Young the number one point guard, Trayvon Duvall, and then Quade Green. Those are really important battles because I think Quade Green and Trey Young, they don't strike me as one-and-done guys. They're going to be around a couple years now. Trayvon Duvall is going to be gone. But the bigger concern is that in 2018, um, for a down class, the point guard position is even more down. You know, our top three ranked point guards right now are, are Javante Smart at number 11 out of Louisiana, Emmanuel Quickly out of um, – the Baltimore area at number 12 and Darius Garland, a kid out of the Brentwood Academy in Nashville at number 13. And they're all good players, but you know, I don't know if either of these guys yet is, has proven themselves to be an instant impact plug and play potentially mean the difference between sweet 16 and final four type point guard. And what compounds the problem is after those guys, it gets really thin, you know, there's an even bigger drop off after those guys. So you know, the decisions that those guys make and, you know, look at a kid like Emmanuel quickly. He's been to, he was at Washington over the weekend. He's been to Kentucky. He's been to Virginia. He's been to Kansas. Seems like he's somewhere else every weekend. You know, Darius Garland just recently picked up a Duke offer. He's got Louisville hot and heavy for him. You know, he's got Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Illinois, Indiana, all the local schools. You know, Javante Smart is a little bit more up in the air right now. You know, LSU would like him. Kentucky has dabbled around with him a little bit, but I think there's going to be some limited options. So I think that in 2018, the thing to watch is if a school feels good about their point guard option in that class, they need to lock him up because if they miss out on their primary options, the pickings are going to be slim right now. Bossy, can I ask you something? Um, do you see any, because you and I both know that the 2019 class is pretty strong. Do you see any kids reclassifying to 2018 for that specific position? 
there'll always be speculation on that, but I think it's it's a little too early to tell on that, you know, because what you're asking someone to do when you do that is to skip out on a year of that development. And part of why they're ranked so highly in those classes now moving down is because like, hey, we're expecting another year of development. And, and while I do think 2019 is going to be a good class, we're in a similar situation where it's not a great class for point guards. So, you know, maybe a guy like Cole Anthony might be advanced enough that he could maybe look into it. But, you know, there's been no rumblings on that yet. And just me personally, from a from a philosophical standpoint, I wish we would quit rushing some of these guys because I don't think it's really worked out that well for a lot of the guys who who've done that. Like, you know, let's let's look at Derek Thornton. You know, he he went to Duke a year ahead of schedule and it, it just didn't go quite as he planned for it to go. And now he's transferred. He's at USC, who we spoke about earlier, and is going to be a big part of a, of that program next year. But, you know, I think with some of these guys, we're in such a rush to call them the next big thing or, or people are so hungry to get that talent on, on campus that I think these kids who skip a year, they're doing it to the detriment of their development. And so hopefully it's not something that we see become a trend. And it's something that, you know, I know like me, even if I hear about it, I'm going to avoid talking about it until I absolutely have to, because I just don't want to float that stuff out there. <laughs> Unless Kristen puts you on the spot and goes off script here at the end of the podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. That's, it's, it's a good question because it is something that's happening in our game. You know, we've got these guys like we don't know what class they're in <laughs> from time to time. They're one second, they're 2017, then they're 2018. And then, oh, wait, I actually enrolled in 2016. So it is something that eventually is going to have to be addressed. But I think that's maybe something for another podcast. Oh, well, good. L- leave, them, leave them wanting more, right? We give them a cliffhanger. We'll come back with uh, maybe some more information later on with some more happenings and goings on in the crazy world of college basketball recruiting. Guys, we're, we're done with our first podcast. I think it went pretty well. You know, except for me, maybe in some parts. But you guys did a fantastic job. Uh, we want to remind everybody again: subscribe to the Commitment Issues podcast. Generally, it's a football discussion, but later on down the road, we're going to try and get some things working more on the basketball front. Follow these guys on Twitter: Eric Bossy at eBoss Hoops, Kristen at KP underscore Rivals. Both of them turning out a ton of fantastic written and video content, and now even more on the multimedia front here with the podcast. So, thanks again for listening. And, uh, you know, guys, thanks for joining us.